Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the 2022 running back class for the NFL Draft. We're going to talk to you about our top fives, who we have going five to one, and then give some shout outs to some mid-round guys and maybe some late round steals as well. We're going to give you exactly what we are looking for in this class, specialized roles that teams could have, what blocking schemes we see guys really succeeding in, all that and so much more. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me as always is my co-host, Connor Rogers. Let's get out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Connor Rogers. And if you guys are watching this on YouTube, I don't know, Connor, people feel like to talk about our hair a lot. I might have you, I might have you beat this episode, man. My hair is looking good. I looked in the mirror before I came on camera and I'm like, I, there's no way Connor's got me beat today. And you know what, buddy? No. I got a, I got a flex right here. I think I got you beat here today. You're smoking me today, dude. <laughs> I'm I'm going to pull the old excuse card and say that uh I'm I'm hot off the press from the dentist and I wore a hat Ooh. and like when I got off something and we were about five minutes to tape, I ran the bathroom, threw pomade through the hair, and I just look like a slick back uh, 80s goon right now at this point. So you are killing it today, dude. And I I am not. I'm making it work. Post hat hair, though. Post hat hair that I got to, uh, I, you know, I got to admit that looks fly. I got to give you credit there. Uh, this episode is, is sponsored by Prize Picks, guys. If you are new to the podcast, what we've been doing is promo and prizepicks.com. This is your go to place for over unders uh, in the NFL. Obviously, there's one game left. It is the Super Bowl. Make it happen. Head on over to Prize Picks. Win yourself some extra cheddar. If you don't have a subscription right now, use promo code PFF, deposit 20 bucks, and you will get a free PFF subscription over at prizepicks.com. Had to get that out of the way because we are rolling on this podcast with a running back centric episode we've been doing this uh did we do this last thursday no we couldn't we didn't do it last thursday because we were doing the the, the senior bowl senior stuff bowl. last thursday but before then we did wide receivers and essentially this is our top five episode so we are talking about the running back position we're going to go through our top five, start at number five, go all the way down to number one, and then give you guys some mid-round gems, some late-round gems, things like that. So it's just going to be all about the running back position. We're going to set the table for you, how good this class can be, what it's like at the top, what it's like in the middle, where the sweet spot is for these guys. I'm excited to get to this class, Connor. I think that it's a pretty solid one with a lot of guys to like for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I think so too, and there's no layups, right? Like this year, you really got to do your homework, and there's going to be a lot of different uh, varying opinions on how these top fives look across the board, where I thought like over the years, Trevor, like Najee Harris was a really easy eval. You of know? course. Jonathan yeah. Taylor was a really easy eval. Like the, Usually running back sometimes, the top of it is so easy, and I didn't really find that to be the case this year. I think anybody, you know, a lot of these guys can, there's a case for them to be the number one or number two back. And, you know, you and I were talking before uh, we went on air that it's great that we're doing the top five now, but so much of the day three running backs and, you know, the guys outside the top five, and, and maybe it does impact them as well. The combine, the testing of the combine and the yes. pro days really makes a difference for the gems that's how you know and it matters for teams it's not just media teams really use the combine and athletic testing uh to uncover what hidden gems a guy could be in the seventh round you know tests off the charts and the usage just wasn't there in college and he goes up to the fourth or fifth round so this is a great uh introduction to this running back class yeah we we do these and we're trying to get to as many as we can during the month of february so that we're kind of setting the table to be able to yeah. give you those stock up stock downs over the next couple of months 
months, what we're hearing on these guys. You mentioned how big athletic testing is for the running back position. So I'm sure there's going to be movement once we get to Indianapolis and see how these guys are testing. But man, I'm not going to lie. I saw your top five right before the show and my running back one. I went into this thinking, okay, everybody's got to have him as RB1. You thought it was the layup. Like, right. I was just like, okay, we're going to agree on RB1. I wonder where we're going to agree. We don't. We do not agree on RB1. So let's kick it off. Who is your number five? We'll go five through one here. And then, of course, later in the podcast, we'll get to some guys that just missed the list. But who is your number five running back in this class right now? Yeah, there might be some recency bias here. I was joking with you, but it's, it's Damian Pierce, you know, your guy from Florida. And and I look at this and it was a little bit like the wide receivers where there's this 5A, 5B. I really, really wanted Tyler Algier, you know, on here. And mm. uh, I went with Pierce because I didn't want to cheat again. I'm not going to cheat every every position. <laughs> Ridiculous. I was, doing it. I was I was clearing out the old sheet and I'm like. This dude really screwed this me by, by, by putting Olave <laughs> and Wilson in here so it looked like you didn't leave one of them off. But you know what? That's just look, that's why you're one of the best. That's why you're one of the best. You're smart about it. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was manipulating the rankings. But, you know, start with Pierce here. We just got to see him in Mobile. Yeah. Uh, the tape from Florida when he did get the ball is phenomenal. Really good at breaking tackles. I, I've said before, he reminds me of David Montgomery in a lot of ways. He's that mm. kind of runner. Uh, he's a very strong runner. He, he's very, uh, it can really create yards after contact. He has the leg drive. He can run north to south, but I think he has enough burst, you know, to go east to west to play in a zone scheme uh, that can utilize that burst a little bit and give you some power. But uh, the name of his game is downhill running. That's what matters to me. Then you look at the senior bowl and he showed that in pass pro, there is no fear that that frame can be a legitimate weapon in pass pro that he can take on the one-on-one contact against linebackers and hold his ground. And I think that's something where a guy that you know, had trouble getting on the field a lot for Florida for whatever reasons, might not have a lot of problems getting on the field for the NFL because of that pass pro ability. So I love him as a runner. That's where the name of the game is going to be for him. If you give him any space, he's going to create yards and can be a power kind of runner and can really yeah. help you out in the red zone. Uh, but the fact that he's showing teams I can be on the field on third down for pass pro is a total game changer that got him sneaking into my top five. Yeah, he was coached by the Lions squad in the uh, in the Senior Bowl. And at the end of each practice, what the Lions coaching staff did is they had a little, little one-on-one between the offense and the defense. On day one, it was Jermaine Johnson going up against uh, Darian Kennard, an offensive lineman versus defensive lineman, just a straight one-on-one to see who won the day at the end of practice. Day two? or Was it, was it day two or which day was it? Can't remember which day, day two. Well, it the was rainy day, day, right? Yes, yes, it was. It was day two. They had Damian Pierce line up against DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker from App State. And look, Connor, we know that that is a linebacker kind of a drill, man. You're a running back and you're one-on-one and you've just got to take a running back on. And so I was like, okay, this is bad. They're setting up my boy Pierce to fail here. I'm not about yeah. to stand for this. And DeMarco Jackson just goes straight into him. Pierce lines him up, gets him in between the shoulders. Boom! You hear the clash of up. the pads straight there. Stood him up. Jackson tried to go to his right. Pierce was right there, locking right in with those hands. Tried to go to the left. And he finally ripped off of Pierce, but it was after like four or five seconds. I mean, the ball's well out of the quarterback's hands at that point. That was a big time win for Damian Pierce. Obviously the whole roster around him was super pumped up. He took his helmet off and he was screaming and he was hyped up about that, but that's nothing new to him. His calling card, even, you know, some some people have those Heisman moments, right? Damian Pierce's 
big signature moment in this draft class is when his helmet got ripped off about seven yards short of the goal line against Florida State. And his immediate thought was, I'm still scoring this touchdown. Yep. And it is against the rules to continue to play without a helmet, but he wasted no time sprinting to the end zone with three Florida State defenders right there at the goal line, lowering the shoulder against the dudes and getting in. And he was so, that's the kind of dog mentality that we're talking about with this guy. Whether he's got the ball in his hands or whether he's in pass protection, he is a beast. Florida's offensive line absolutely stunk this past year. And so it's really hard to judge, you know, the yards per carry output, the total yard output. Uh, Even when you're looking at kind of like his vision and seeing like, okay, how well can he see the field? How well can he seek space? It's hard when your offensive line's as bad as Florida's was. So I think the best is yet to come for Damian Pierce. I really like him as as a back. He, he didn't make my top five, and he actually – he's not my six either, so he's not going to be the guy that I mentioned right after that. But th- I think this running back class has some meat in the middle rounds. And Damian Pierce, I think, is definitely somebody third, fourth round that a team is going to draft and really like. So power is the name of the game. You're totally right. But, um, yeah, those those are my thoughts with him. He was he was just outside the top five for me. Dude, he had a – on the all-22, because you really need the all-22 angle to notice how wild this was. He had a move where he did, like, the Walter Payton scissor kick on a guy this year. And <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, do you know how confident you have to be to do that where you know you have the stop and start to get a guy on that and it worked perfect perfectly? And I just think – his mental makeup to me is fearless and when you see that in a running back that has the build to go with it it's all right there where you're right trevor like is he going to come out of this draft and be you know christian mccaffrey or someone like that's never who he's going to be but man if you get a david montgomery kind of runner Mm -hmm. kind of player and mentality in your locker room in the fourth round that's just bargain shopping in the best possible way and i'm just very interested to see how he tests i really am yeah and it might not be it might not be great but right, but me, I, I I want the whatever. I want the, the the bar right. I want to see what the bar yeah. is for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you want to see that with. Uh, interestingly enough, a lot of these guys in the top five might not test off the charts. My next guy actually is a uh, prime example of that. My number five in this class. Ugh, I love him. It's Notre Dame's running back Kyron Williams. I went into the year. People from Locked On NFL Draft will know this. I went into the year with Kyron Williams as my RB1. I didn't care. I didn't care. Nobody could tell me nothing about it, man. Soft hands, an absolute dog in pass protection. Dog. Great patience. Really, really light on his feet. Knows how to follow blocks. Knows and understands the blocking scheme in front of him and the timing with it. Oh, there's just, I, I love his game so much. The only issue with Kyron Williams is... I don't know how athletic he is. I don't I don't know what the long speed is. And that was everybody's big complaint is you can't have this guy RB1 if you cannot trust that he's athlete enough for the NFL. And that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing with Kyron Williams at the Combine. Are you just athlete enough in the NFL? Because if you are, this dude can stick around for as long as there's tread on the tires. Truly, he does so much of the little things well with the running back position that if I can at least just check the box, say, okay, I, I'm not totally worried that he's just going to get caught from behind from no matter what kind of defender is near him in the NFL. If I can check that box, you have a total package at running back, man. Jack Cohn, I was able to sit down. He is his quarterback from Notre Dame this past year. 
I sat down with him a couple of weeks ago and I was asking him about Kyron. And he's like, man, you just have so much confidence with Kyron Williams standing next to you, whether you're handing him the ball or whether yeah. he's sitting there in a pass protect, man, it truly is like that little five foot nine, 200 and pound running back is another offensive lineman for guys who might be coming in uh, on the blitz. And so that's the kind of confidence that he brings uh, the backfield. I, I love his patience. Sometimes I think he's too patient, right? Sometimes I think he's holding on to that ball a little bit. And I'm like, come on, man, you got to get up. You got to get up and you got to go. You got to kick it into a gear here. But he's doing that because he's trying to be very calculated. The more film that he watched, the more reps that he gets at the NFL level, the more comfortable he gets with the speed. As long as he has that speed within himself, which there are some games I see it. There's some games I have my questions. But if I can prove that at the combine, that this guy's got a baseline level of athleticism for the NFL, the rest of his game, Connor, I love. So he's my RB5 in this class right now. I like it. I wish you left him at one, to be honest with you. And there's still plenty <laughs> I of just, time. I, I couldn't do it, man. Just watching him up against some of these other running backs that are in front of it, man. I, I just, the athletic part, I, it's, you got to be an athlete. You mentioned it. Yeah. You mentioned it at the top of the show. Combine pro day is so important for these guys because you have to be an athlete at running back. You have to. So, yeah. You really do. And, and when I go over... Kyron Williams, I'll, I'll get into, you know, it's interesting how we measure running backs at this point of, of what numbers matter. And I think all of them do, but what ones can you take away that'll dictate maybe some success and what ones can you look at and go, you know what, I'm okay with that not being an overwhelmingly positive number. So there's no doubt too, it's cooled off. Like the hype on Kyron Williams coming out of last summer, I think there were plenty of people that were like, he's just a staple to be a top three running back in this class. Yes, right. I don't think we're still there anymore. And, you know, like I said, I will get into Kyron Williams, but in terms of projecting what NFL teams are going to do, I wouldn't call him a lock to be one of the first three running backs taken. Um, This guy for me, number four, he might be a lock to be one of the top three running backs taken. I might be an outlier here. I might be, this might be a hot take, a stupid take, whatever, however people want to see it. And I have my reasons Uh, because I do like him a lot. It's Kenneth Walker, and he's number four for me. And there's not a lot of disrespect when you call a guy the number four back in a class where everyone's grouped together closely. But I think a lot of people will not be happy to hear this or will be surprised to hear this. When I look at Walker, Trevor, I think that right now he is a he's a top tier runner right he is a breaking tackles machine i'm pretty sure pro football focus had him registered with 89 this year he is a nuts he is a yeah that's that's nuts that's like that is truly bonkers and that doesn't even matter what conference he played in and he obviously played in a power five conference i I mean i'll just read my notes on walker because there is a a lot of good but i still do have some questions number one he was you know one year breakout which at running back doesn't really matter that much. If you have a one-year breakout, you don't really care about it as much like a quarterback or a uh, you know, pass rusher, things like that. One-year breakouts at running back, it happens all the time. Uh, I wrote that he has a really strong lower half that helps with his leg drive. Like totally. You can see it on the All-22, the way he's built. That is a weight room lower half that guys do not like running into when they got to wrap up and tackle. And For me, he has power runner ability, and defenders do bounce off him when they come in high. But I want to see him use it more. Like, I think he has that habit of I'm a big back and I'm a gifted back with my change of direction for my size so I can use the change of direction 90% of the time. And I thought there was times where I'm like, dude, you can set the tone of this game. You don't have to make try to make six people miss. Lower your shoulder and hurt somebody. And I know that's like stupid old school football speak with scouting sometimes, but it's just something I look at him and go man, you you have the frame to punish people. And there were certain times where I thought you could have used it. 
Uh, like I said, change of direction at that size is very, very impressive, and that is going to translate. I think it's going to translate at the combine, but I think it's going to translate, most importantly, on the field. Now, let's get into the things that had me concerned why he's not my uh, top three running back for me. Yeah, let's hear uh, it. Not very explosive and definitely lacks a top-end gear. That top-end gear does not exist. Don't think a lot of running backs in this class have one, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I, I think one guy that's not on my list today, and Jerome Ford has it, but he's not a top five running back for me. So it's you got to give something up to go find that top end gear. So it's okay, but you have to note it. He needs more reps in coaching at pass pro, Trevor. I, yes. I mean, it, yeah. it's just, it's not there. It's not there. They didn't use him as a pass catcher. And then the few reps you get to see on film of him in pass pro, I thought the awareness was okay. It was kind of like he knew where to be most of the time. I didn't see a ton of, I don't like using the word effort, but maybe the it goes back to the power runner. I want to see it. Like I, I know you have the frame to do it. Now, now go do it. Like go help out your quarterback. So I, th I think that's coaching. I think he needs to be coached up in pass pro. And if that doesn't happen right away in training camp, it's going to be hard for him to be on the field for a majority of the snaps. Where he's an early down runner. He was targeted 16 times, 13 catches for 89 yards, and no drops. So I think he can catch the ball, but they didn't use him in that way. So my my. That's a long, that's a lot, a lot on Kenneth Walker. But the point is for me, he's an early down runner right now. He's probably a very, very good one. But to make the transformation to being a true top 15 runner in the NFL, we it's a, a total mystery of what he is in the pass game as terms of a receiver mm -hmm. and pass protector. Uh, I, I have plenty of words to say on, on Kenneth Walker. Uh, he, is, he is higher on my list. But... You know, one of the things they'll say is that that there's definitely some tendency issues with him that just get need to get ironed out, right? I mean, you mentioned a lot of his best stuff is him bouncing to the outside and him just finding space in that way and maybe not following his blocks as well as or as long as he should. I do think that's a tendency issue with him. Now, I will say Michigan State ran a lot of man-blocking concepts, right? They had a lot of pullers. They run a lot of power, and they didn't exactly have the strength up front to get a lot of push. So I think that Kenneth Walker, I'm going to say Kenneth Murray at some time, some point throughout this 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 podcast. Too many drafts. I, I'm just letting you know. But I, I do think that Kenneth Walker started to not trust his offensive line to really yep. win up front. Um but there's no doubt about it that that's a little bit of a bad habit. So I'll, I'll, he had I'll to be a superhero sometimes. Uh, he did. He he did. It, you're, you're right. But, you know, when you have that kind of success the, at, at the college level, and especially when you're not an overly elite athlete, you don't exactly get to do those same things in the NFL. So I'll get more, I'll get to more of the pros and cons when I get to Kenneth Walker at, at my part here. Number four, I have BYU's running back Tyler Algier. Very interesting path with Tyler Algier. Was a walk-on at BYU. Didn't get a single D1 scholarship. Ended up walking on at BYU. Started off with the running back group, ended up moving a linebacker because they had a depth need at linebacker, uh, played linebacker for a little bit. I believe it was his sophomore year. And then they threw him back at running back because they had some space open. They had some opportunities for him to get carries. And man, let me tell you, the second he started to get carries, he just did not give that job back. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic the last two seasons. He has got a body type and a play style that makes you think that he can moonlight a linebacker, right? I mean, like this dude is huge. He will pack a punch at contact. Uh, he's a, a known break tackle machine. He's got good balance. The issues with Tyler Algier are some people think that he's a little bit stiff. I, I would agree. I think that he's a little bit stiff. He's not the most flexible guy, but I think he's got pretty good long speed. And the reason why I have him in my top five is because in a running back class, like you mentioned, Connor, where we're searching for guys who can even get close to that top gear, if you will. 
I think Tyler Algier, man, when he starts getting going north to south, man, he can run. He can run away from people. And when things are blocked well and when he's got the gap and when he's got the lane, he can really move on it. I love him in a zone-blocking scheme at the next level. BYU runs a lot of that now. And even though he's not the most flexible guy when it comes to change of direction, I don't think he's going to be going to do a ton of like full cutbacks against the yep. line scrimmage. But when it comes to just putting his foot in the ground, being like a one cut back in his zone blocking scheme system, I think he does that plenty. Well, it's not like he's too stiff for that. It's not like he's totally rounding out uh, his routes, if you will, when he's got the ball in his hand in that way. So I love him in his zone blocking system. Let him be as like this slasher kind of a running back where he's putting his foot in the ground, moving up field, getting North to South and then has that momentum has that strength. Um, I really like him in the past game, past protection game as well. He's got a lot of heart for that. I think he's just a running back that plays with a ton of energy. And honestly, for a position that demands that you play with high effort, right? You're getting hit every single play, basically. Whether you got the ball in your hand or you're not, you got to love contact. You got to love what you do to be good at. And I think he puts a lot of effort forth in that. And I just think that, man, when it comes to size, speed, strength, the kind of just the overall package there, Algier brings it to the table better than a lot of these other running backs do in this class. So uh, I've got him at RB4. I almost had him at RB3. He's right. He's truly right there. Almost a coin flip with, uh, with who I'm going to mention at RB3. So that's my RB4 there. I'm really glad you got him in, in your top five. Cause he was the one where it pained me to leave him out. And it wouldn't shock me if we get to March and, and you know, there's just something where I'm like, I can't not have him in here because number one, he's almost built like a coach's dream. The, the linebacker mentality, as right. you alluded to literally has played there before runs with that mentality he runs where he's coached to go he breaks tackles especially when you get the freight train rolling down the tracks and he pass protects like a freaking wild man dude so coach's dream probably the guy that is getting i'd say no conversation about right now that goes a lot earlier than than people think yeah certainly not enough i think a lot a lot more people got to be talking about tyler algier and i think the you know it's funny because i i would tell you myself like flexibility in a running back and the I want to say inability but it's I mean that's too harsh of a word for Tyler Algier because I just mentioned it's not that bad but guys who really struggle to change direction yeah I, I struggle to fall in love with because I know the position is so much about hopping being light on your feet guys falling to your feet here you got to move here you got to change your like it's just so much about moving through chaos you know uh, sifting through clutter all of that so when guys can't do that as easily, sometimes don't fall in love with them, but there's so much of Tyler Algier's game, his background at football that you love. Uh, that's why I, I really, I'm overlooking that a little bit because of everything else that he brings to the table. Uh, roses are red, violets are blue. This Valentine's Day, don't let a wild pube wreck you. Valentine's Day is right around the corner and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready. For the special occasion this v-day it's time to join the four million men worldwide who trust manscaped the leader in below the waist grooming with our exclusive offer go to manscaped.com use the promo code pff and you'll get 20 percent off plus free shipping the holidays back at christmas time new year's they went by so quickly while you were dealing with your packages for other people actual presents did you remember to take care of your own package with the best tools for the job the performance package 4.0 from manscaped is just the thing that every guy needs in their life to make each day a little bit more special 20 percent off free shipping using the promo code pff at manscaped.com that is 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com use the promo code pff join cupid and shoot your arrow with manscaped this valentine's 
today. RB3, time for the top three. Who do you got Dude. as your RB3 in this class, Connor? When are you going to give me a take command of your Valentine's Day? We got to do a mock draft for it. Next, <laughs> next, like, next, like, next, like, actual, next, all right, next mock draft episode we do. I will purposefully put the Manscaped ad <laughs> right in front of Good timing. When, when Washington picks, and then I'll give you, and then I'll give you the. All right, Connor, time to take command of this one because yes. you're gonna you're gonna have the uh, you're gonna have the the odd picks in that one. So I'll time it right. I'll give it to you. I promise. Running back three uh, for me, the guy with the most recent movement. I think during the fall. I felt like there was a good chance he was going to end up as my RB1. And, you know, when you get to the final stretch of the end of the year and you watch all of them lump together, it starts to change your perspe- perception of how yes. certain guys move. Uh, so Isaiah Spiller is RB3. And somebody that is very projectable in a simple sense of the fact that he's got the big body type. I think he can take on contact with that body type. I think that he does have really good feet. For that size, yes. like it's shocking how good yes. his feet are. Where he can make the first guy miss, especially in the backfield, and get to his spot. He can finish his runs with power. He can beat you with an, an electric cut. But the problem is, Trevor, even more magnified than Kenneth Walker. There's no top end gear. Mm-hmm. He's not overly explosive. The change of direction for his size surprises tacklers. But I don't think it's going to really, like, wow you in terms of testing. I'm not expecting that there. And I think it goes back to, and I'm going to pull up more more of my actual just written notes here with him. I think, once again, Pass Pro is, is just not a finished product, right? Like, I, I wrote down the effort in Pass Pro is evident. But pre-snap, there were so many times where he didn't know where to be. And you can blame coaching for that plenty of times. But, it, you know... The really good ones usually have an idea, and he was just late a couple times. Mm-hmm. Pretty good amount of times. He was late, and it it just didn't work. It didn't get the job done. So uh, he's insanely patient, and you love the frame. You love the feet. I think he navigates line of scrimmage traffic very well, where he finds himself to the second level enough. Yes. He, break, he forces missed tackles. He has experience, plenty of experience in both zone and gap schemes. Uh, but overall, like, just not an electric athlete that you are, you know, like you look at ETN going in the first round last year, and it was a little bit of the sense of like, we got to have this guy, right? I don't think anyone's going to feel that way about Spiller. It, they're just comfortable with him as this day two, 1B to somebody's 1A. To be fair. The ETN pick was bad. <laughs> like not even okay. not even the ETN. Not even the ETN's not good. The ETN pick was literally Urban Urban Meyer thinking there is no way in hell anybody's gonna draft Kadarius Tony before we get back on the clock. And Dave Gettleman went, get effed. I got news for you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they just kind of panicked and took a speed guy. Because remember, right after ETN got drafted, didn't they say like, hey, you're basically gonna play like slot receiver slot and receiver. running back? Which yeah. is just like they wanted to use him the way they were going to use Tony. I mean, they should have fired Urban yeah. Meyer then, like literally then. Like yeah. it was, it was not going to get better, and it truly only got worse after that moment. So, yeah. like, um, oh wow, you really have no effing idea what you not, what you got going not on that, here. Not the Tyler, not that uh, Travis Etienne can't be good in the NFL. I think that he can, but uh, the whole pick the process was just, uh, was absolutely, absolutely crap. It was, it was bad. Uh, so yeah, Isaiah Spiller, Texas A&M running back, six foot one, two hundred fifteen pounds. You mentioned 
how light his feet are. And this is my RB3 as well. Sorry, I should have prefaced it by saying that. We have the same RB3 here. I have Isaiah Spiller's RB3 as well. And the reason why is because there is, there's so much shiftiness for a guy his size. And I think you really love that. It it allows you to get through the clutter, get through the chaos. Um, I think that that certainly helps where I have in my notes that I think he is more suited to be a zone blocking scheme kind of running back. Uh, I do feel as though he can have success in man blocking concepts because even though he's not as patient as I wish that he was, he is light enough on his feet to where he can bounce around, whether there's he, he missed times when a, when a puller is kind of coming through yeah. or a linebacker is kind of getting through th- this way or the other. He's, he is light enough on his feet to where he can – he can play well enough between the tackles, but I do. I think I would like him a little bit more when he's getting outside. We're moving the offensive line, more of a zone blocking scheme, kind of a one cut thing with him. You mentioned he does not have that final gear, and that is, yes, a big issue for me. Is that I think a lot of people look at his short area burst, his short area elusiveness, if you will, and they think, okay, this dude's a great athlete for his size. He, he is a good athlete for his size, but I, I don't know if he's going to give you that final gear. You mentioned it. It's something that we're going to repeat so many times for this running back class. Even when he gets in the open field, man, I think that his speed is fine. It's not like he can't pick up big chunk gains for you. He's just not going to take that 15-yard gain and turn it into a 55-yard touchdown, right? He's not going to do no. that nearly as much as some other backs might. Uh, and so I like Isaiah Spiller, but that's kind of where I am with it. I just, I like him. Um, I actually have in my notes here, I have a section and it's basically like, Hey, is this guy a third down back? And I, I have no right now. He's not. Yeah. And I think that you, you mentioned all of the reasons why. And so when I look at a guy who isn't really reliable as a third down back right now, doesn't really give you that home run ability and a long gear. That's why he's RB three for me right now. I almost put Tyler Algier over him, uh, to make Isaiah Spiller RB four. We'll see where I end up on him when, uh, when draft weekend rolls around, but yeah, those are my thoughts on Isaiah Spiller as well. Maybe I'm way off on this, but if he ran a four, six at the combine, that's like what I would expect. Honestly. Oh man. It's four, six I mean, slow though. Josh Jacobs ran like a four, six, two, and it, we all kind of felt it coming. So, man. And I, don't, I wouldn't change my eval of him. It really wouldn't if he ran a 4-6. If I had one question for Isaiah Spiller in an interview, I'd be like, how much Le'Veon Bell did you watch as a kid? <laughs> like, it, the running style, he just, like, completely took Le'Veon's running style. He's, but he's, he's nothing like him as a pass catcher but or a pass protector. But he's not nearly as patient, right? I mean, like, yeah. Le'Veon, I know exactly what you're saying. Well, you're talking sit back there all day. You, right. You were talking about Roethlisberger handing it off to Le'Veon. He covers the ball with both hands, and he sits there, and he kind of bounces. He's light on his feet. He bounces a little bit, but, he, he, but he's patient about it. Spiller isn't patient in that way he's almost he's pressing he presses too much that's my biggest issue with his running style is i think that he just he he is waiting to get to the line of scrimmage and to the second level uh and he's a little bit impatient with it so i i hear you he's light on his feet like Le'Veon, but he needs to be a little bit more patient like Le'Veon was so keep watching the Le'Veon bell tape if he uh, if he grew up watching it all right who is your who's your rb2 in this class all who right this is where it gets fun number two for me you already broke him down um, so I'll give you my notes. Kyron Williams, number two. Oh, for let's me. go! You got yeah, him. Yeah, he's number two. And, and you know what? I I agree. I agreed with everything you said. To be honest with you, it's just the fact I have him at two. I thought your breakdown. I, I really don't think he has like you know crazy breakaway speed, or and he's he's undersized, or I don't know if we call that undersized anymore because who really cares at the position? But yeah. he's a he's a compact runner that I wrote can get skinny in tight rush lanes. And I love guys like that. They almost get lost behind the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Uh, He knows how to let blocks develop and the acceleration is explosive. 
excellent contact balance to stay on his feet, and he's not afraid to finish runs with Pop. Has This is my favorite part. Has good awareness and experience in pass protection. He will get on the field very, very early. Yep. So, Kyron Williams, man, he might not be, you know, a thousand yards every year on the grounds. He might not be double-digit touchdowns, but he will play every down for you. He will pass protect. He can be a factor in the past game, and he will get you the tough yards, and he will get you the easy yards. And that demeanor on the field, you see it. There's a demeanor with him on the field that he is confident. Like you said about Jack Cohn, there's something comfort with the quarterback. He's vocal pre-snap. He's looking around at everything pre-snap, and that's why he knows where to be. So I really like Kyron Williams. Um, and I think, you know, going back to your point about the testing, I would not be surprised. I pulled up a profile last year that made me think of this. You know, Michael Carter, who had a nice rookie season for the Jets, he comes in under 5'8". He weighs 201 pounds, which is, like, really low on the profile. He only jumps 34 inches in the vertical. And then he runs a 4.54 in the 40. Not real breakaway speed. And it's like, man, those are numbers where I'm like, eh? But that three-cone, a 6.833 cone, which is right. above that 90% you know profile and a great sub-four shuttle, that's Kyron, where Kyron Williams is going to be liked by staffs. Short area. Short area, short area, short area. Change of direction, short area explosiveness, and being a smart player that you can get on the field. So not the sexiest RB2 I've had in draft classes by a mile, but you know what you're getting with him, and I liked that a lot. I was having a conversation with uh, Kyle Yates, a good friend of mine. Used to work for Fantasy Pros. Now he's, I, I think he's about to start doing his own thing. But um, you know, we were talking about Kyron Williams, and he was texting me about Kyron Williams. And... You know, we both love Kyron. He loves Kyron's tape as well. It's it's really hard not to. And I I told him this, and I said, I'm almost at the point where you can have everybody else in this running back class. Give me Kyron Williams where I'm going to be able to get him on draft day, right? As opposed to where you're going to get Kenneth Walker, Good where point. you're going to where you're going to get Isaiah Spiller, where you're going to get Brees Hall, who we're about to talk about here. Like where you might have to draft those guys. Give me Kyron Williams a little bit further down the draft. I'm almost like to that point. He's not going to be RB1 for me, I, I don't think. But I I am almost there where I'm almost just saying, hey, you guys can keep the rest. Give me Kyron Williams late third, early fourth, wherever he ends up going. I don't know where he's going to go, but that's just a, me kind of spitballing right there. So I, I am almost to that point with Kyron. And that's what coaches love, man. Like, And I know coaches have bad evaluation processes at times because sometimes they fall too much in love with that where they're afraid to swing for the fences. Or, But with Kyron... Once again, you just you're getting a productive rookie right away that, hey, your third down back walked in free agency or he gets hurt in training camp. He could do that. Yeah. Early down runs in zone can easily do that, can break tackles. It's just there's such a trust factor with him that is so translatable to the NFL at the position. My RB2, I teased it a little bit right there. It's Iowa State's Brees Hall comes in. Six foot one, 220 pounds. And you know what, Connor? I don't know how anybody watches Brees Hall and doesn't like him. Now, it will come to, it will, <laughs> it will come to like varying degrees, right? It, it, it will be like, okay, like some people really like him and some people might just kind of like like him, but I don't know how you get worse than that. Because if you ask me, the most important trait for playing the running back position is vision, spatial awareness, that kinds of stuff. Nobody better in the class than Brees Hall, if you ask me. Nobody better. This dude is phenomenal. You look at the last two years of stats that he's put up, 
And this is with Brock Purdy as his quarterback, meaning that basically all defenses knew what was going to happen is they were going to hand the ball to Brees Hall. He had 1,500 rushing yards last season. He had 14 the pa- this past year. 21 rushing touchdowns a year before that. 20 rushing touchdowns this year. He had a bunch of production in the receiving game as well. He is so well-rounded. He is so smart. He is perfect for a zone blocking scheme, man. You let this guy read the offensive line in front of you, read where the linebackers are flowing, whether he's got to fully cut it back, whether he's going to aim at the the guard's outside hip or whether he's going outside the tackle. He just understands it so well. There is such an art to finding space before it opens up. And I don't think there's any back in this class better at that and more appropriate than that. Because, right, like sometimes you could watch Kenneth Walker's tape and you could say to yourself, Oh, look at how look at how often he bounces to the outside and he finds the open space. Well, sometimes that wasn't always the best move. He just made it work out because he's a really great running back. Brees Hall almost always analyzes every situation in front of him correctly. And I love that about his game. Now, he follows the same guidelines as the rest of this class. He does not have the top end speed. And that's what's yep. really holding him back. If you ask me from being not just RB1 in this class, but being somebody who is really special because I have an NFL comp for Brees Hall. It's Ezekiel Elliott, and it is NFL's like version of Ezekiel Elliott. You look at what Elliott is able to do, and Elliott just – now, I, I know as of late, he's, of course, like been beat up and everything, but when you look at what Elliott was, I would say in his really like years two, years three, years four of Ezekiel Elliott in the NFL, you saw a guy who was very patient, who understood his blockers in front of him, who always knew exactly where to go, who was consistently falling forward, who could bounce off of tackles, who would always get you that four or five yards, right? That is Brees Hall to me, even though he's not going to break off the home runs for you. And Ezekiel Elliott, he wouldn't break in too many home runs after he really got in the NFL. I know he did it a lot at Ohio State, but he has certainly not done that as of late. NFL version of Ezekiel Elliott, just a consistent running back, somebody who is going to read the field exactly the way they need to and is going to consistently pick up four, five, six yards for you every time you hand on the rock, man. I think that his floor is so high in the NFL. And I know Ezekiel Elliott went number four overall, but I don't expect Brees Hall to go number four overall. Yeah, different times. I don't even, right, I don't even expect Brees Hall to probably be a first-round running back, but I do think that he's going to be a player the NFL covets in the second round, and I think he's going to be a damn good pro. I love it, man. I'll take the baton from you right there because he's my RB one, and you're you're all over it. I mean, what's really not to like about Brees Hall when you watch the film? And you know, the first line team captain as a junior. Um, that's you know under Matt Campbell, I think that really means something. Yeah, Na- yeah. natural feel for a big runner to find lanes. That was really the first note about the player on the field that I wrote, just natural feel. It is so natural to him where, you know, it's it, it's a gift. It's a gift, and it's it's something that is so scheme translatable at the next level that if he goes to the right situation, uh, he could, you know, sleepwalk to a 1,000 yards, honestly. Tons of experience in zone, light feet, changes direction with ease, tremendous at making the first man miss. He broke 74 tackles in 2021. Yeah. It's it's such a, we talk about it all the time, it's a very translatable data point. We, you know, really worked out for Javante Williams. It's going to work out for Brees Hall. He is going to break tackles. He's going to force guys uh, to miss tackles. A big back that can play small and slippery. You know, he can really play any way he needs to in the moment long galloping strides when he finds open space not top end gear like you said not super breakaway speed but when he gets into the second level and has space 
you do see the long galloping strides and zeke had a little bit of that coming out uh i said he has the frame to do it but pass pro still needs work mostly coaching and experience and reps it's not perfect but you know they're in it, it's gotten better over the years i think when he was on the field initially in 2019 it was rough and it's gotten a lot better over the last two years so you could tell he's worked at it He's the best running back in this class to me, and he's the one that has the best chance to be, you know, it's funny to look at things this way because it doesn't matter as much in scouting, but I know it probably matters to a lot of people listening here. The guy in the fantasy world that everyone's talking about in three years from now, the guy that you mm. got to have, right? The guy that's a first round running back, and maybe it won't be that way as a rookie. Maybe he goes the, you know, Jonathan Taylor route where he's he's eased in over time and then explodes, but I just look at Brees Hall, and I just I love everything about the player. Honestly, I really do. So I'm glad that you have him as RB2. Uh, for me, when we decided we were going to do this show, you know, about 10 days ago, we knew we were going to do this show. I was like, okay, I really got to make a firm stance with my top three running backs because it felt a little inter- too interchangeable for me at times mm-hmm. with, you know, Spiller, Kyron, even Walker was in that conversation. Um, but Brees Hall... Every time you go back to his film, running backs, you get juiced up when you're watching the film. There's like a oh yes. moment, like a yeah. oh wow, like he could do that. Brees Hall, every game has those moments. Right now, I have the my top five running backs. Well, I have my my whole running back chart broken up in tiers a little bit. My number one and my number two running back are are in tier one. Those are the only two guys that I have in tier one. I mentioned Brees Hall. My number one is Kenneth Walker. I like Kenneth Walker a lot, man. There are some maybe disciplined parts of his game, as we mentioned before, that you could clean up, but he's five foot ten. He's 210 pounds, man. He'll break some tackles. He'll make you miss. He had more forced missed tackles than anybody in the country this year. I believe it was him and Bijan Robinson from Texas who were going back and forth with that title. I mean, and that stuff was comparable to what Javante Williams was doing the year before when it came to forced missed tackles per attempt. And so this dude was just making guys miss left and right, whether it was through contact or whether he was juking them, you know, there's so many big runs to the outside and where I, I do think that, that Walker, probably lacks that true next level elite gear with long speed. He's pretty good, man. I mean, like he, this dude can run. I mean, he's got a pretty decent top gear to him. And that was something that really separated him as I was going through these guys over the last couple of days, really preparing for this podcast. I kept going back to it and I was like, you know what? In a class where it's, it's, it's harder to find standout athletes in this running back group. I think I trust Kenneth Walker the most. He's, he's a very all around unique, um, I don't want to say unique, but he's got such all around game to him. Size, speed for like all that kinds of stuff. Strength profile to his game as well. Now you mentioned what is holding him back. I think that talent wise and athlete wise, that's the reason why I have Kenneth Walker as my RB one right now, but there's no doubt about it. He's not nearly as polished as he needs to be when it comes to reading the field in front of him, following his blockers the way that he needs to, and then pass protection as well. But those are all things that I think can improve, which goes into the projection of why I have him at the top here. I'm trusting him being a little bit of the better athlete. Um, I kind I, I think I would like Kenneth Walker. It's funny enough. I, you mentioned how much he, struggled behind that man blocking concept that Michigan state consistently ran because he just wasn't reading things correctly. He was, he was bouncing guys to the outside and he was kind of coming up with bad tendencies, but I have in my notes, like I think that a man blocking concept is probably what's going to suit him best. Now. I also think that he could operate in some zone blocking scheme as well. I but agree with that though. Yeah. I, I think that a man blocking concept, the power rushing concept is, is going to be the best for him because I think he has that strength profile, that ability that you need to make guys miss in between the tackles. And then you'll see what happens from there, man. You get this guy against linebackers. I think you'll like what you see from the results. So 
Kenneth Walker is my uh, my RB one as of right now in this class. I, I I definitely like him a lot, man. Man, that was it was really good that we, you know, the overall puzzle pieces we used were similar, but the way we put it together is looking a lot. It was a little different, and I, and it was funny that a lot of our scouting reports were very very similar but it's more of okay i like the this flavor better or i think this is translatable and and i think this running back class is so unique because i think it'll be the same for every you know frontline analyst doing this and i think it'll be the same for teams I, i guarantee like we come out of the combine and like you know what did this team tell you about the running back class what did this team and you're gonna hear five different things from you know eight different teams and i think honestly that's more fun than the old oh you know, this guy's the top tackle, and then this guy's the second one. There's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of jumbling of the rankings and names, I think, for a lot of different positions in this class. So uh we definitely want to get to some guys who either just missed the list or some yeah. late round gems or some guys that we want to give a shout out to. But before we get to that, we'll dive into that in a second. Gotta remind people that from now until February 14th, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use promo code SUPER25. That is SUPER and then 2-5 right after that. What do you get with the PFF subscription? Well, you get access to all PFF's locked article content, which is a lot of the analysts at PFF using that premium data, using a lot of the tools that we have to explain things about the draft, about free agency, about your favorite team. There's also the betting tools like the green line tool, the player props as well. You get the NFL draft guide, you get the fantasy football guide, you get everything that comes with the in-season stuff as well because it's a year-long subscription. So check it out. If you don't have a PFF subscription right now, now is a great time to get one. Get 25% off when you use the promo code SUPER25 over at pff.com. So who's the first running back outside of your top five that you'd love to give a shout out to? It can be either somebody who is like right there, six or seven, or maybe just a late round gem that you want to show some love to. Yeah, it'd be number six, and that's Tyler Algier. I just think when uh, you look okay. at him, it's, you know, it's kind of the safe fourth rounder. You love the power. You love the pass pro. You kind of nailed it, Trevor, that maybe the elusiveness isn't exactly what you look for in his game. But much like Pierce, he's a very safe middle-of-the-pack runner in this class. So I hated leaving Algier off this list. I think he has really good film. Once again, that mental makeup of that linebacker mentality – him and him and Abram Smith are similar players in this class for me for mm-hmm. many reasons. They have the same build, similar running style. They both played linebacker in college before. Right. right. Uh, so I, I really like Algier and, and wish I could have got him on here. What about you? Another guy I wanted to give a shout out to was Missouri's Tyler Beatty. Uh, he had four 200 rushing yard games. This is the first time since uh, Jonathan Taylor and Chuba Hubbard, and Chuba Hubbard had that uh, back in 2019. So, it's I mean, nuts. his his career is is hilarious in Missouri to me. Didn't really get on the field at all, except for being like this third down scat back kind of like receiver. Like they're basically, basically when they were in third and long, like if they were ever in third and 12 or third and 20 or something like that, they'd put Beatty on the field just to be like, all right, if we got to check it down and make a miracle happen, like maybe Tyler Beatty will help us out. So, the most rushing, actually, I'll, I'll say this: in 2020, in 10 games, Tyler Beatty had 242 rushing yards. Okay. This past year, he had over 1,600. <laughs> like it just didn't. The the usage just went one year breakout. He had 48 carries the year before, and he had 268 carries this past year. They went all right. I guess we're giving this guy the ball. He's our best weapon, and you know I think that he delivered a lot. I, I like Tyler Beatty. Um, I think he's got some some good speed, a good speed profile to his game in a class where. There's not a lot of guys that boast that. Now, I didn't think that he was the fastest guy out there. You know, if I would have told you going into the year that he was a speedster, and I really didn't see that nearly as much this year. I'm not sure if he 
maybe gained a little bit of extra weight to play running back full-time, like in yeah. the full-time role, or I'm not exactly sure what that was, but he just, he didn't seem as long speed, explosive fast as I felt like he was when I watched him going into the season. But I mean, he's got, I think really good all around game. He's a perfect third down back. I think zone blocking scheme, let him get moving, let him get that momentum going, put the foot in the ground, let him shoot a lane. And, and I think that he can make guys miss in that regard too. He's not shy for contact for a guy that really was used as a third down receiving back the year before. He's really not shy for contact now, man. I think that he gives you a lot more well-rounded game than you think he brings some good athleticism. He just didn't have that. If he had that final gear that I thought that he did going into the year, I think he probably would have cracked my top five, but instead he's just right outside of it. Yeah. He's kind of the, you know, the poster child, as they say for that, don't fear the one year breakout, right? Like why did this happen now? And and you said it, it's just, why didn't they actually use him this way? And when they did, he exploded. The production was off the charts and uh, has been used in every aspect of their offense. So Beatty is somebody that is really interesting. I'm I am curious to see how he tests because he's somebody that can get a legitimate bump if he shows he you know maybe he does slim down because like you said his role at Missouri I don't nobody projects that for him at the next level where maybe you get a more defined role in the NFL as a scat back change of pace you're gonna play thirty percent of the snaps. Maybe you do drop some weight. Maybe you do look more explosive. Maybe you do test at that weight and show everyone, no, this is what I can be when I have a more defined role, not when I'm expected to be the workhorse back. So, okay, so we got our top fives done. Yep. We yep. did the ju- the guys that just missed the cut. Now, probably my favorite part of what we do with position groups, this is the guys that aren't in the top 50, not expect to be top 50 picks that we might want to know more about or we, we just like them as this dart throw on day three. I'll start with Devontae Price, someone who did have a nice ah, week in nice. Mobile. Yeah, I'm kind of, and this is like I told you, I I just got to this one, the full film this morning before we did the show after what we saw in Mobile. So there's work to be done here with Price. Uh, he impressed me in Pass Pro and Mobile. And with the tape, you know, not a lot of usage, number one, was on a horrible football team. So that that's it's not good to be a running back on a a basement football team. You know, you're going to have to really do your do your research to see and more projecting than, oh, it's all right there. Here's the 30 explosive plays. Uh, with Price, I think for a big guy, he's about 6'1". He came in at 200 at the Senior Bowl. I think he can play a lot heavier than that. I think he played at 215. He, he's got a good body type, and he moves well for that size. I think the acceleration is very impressive for that size. I think he's got enough make you miss at the second level. I think he can use power, but he can use a cut, spin move. Um, so when you look at Price, he's somebody I'm looking at this class and going, man, on a bad team, but is doing everything the right way throughout the process of of Mobile, getting his body right. Now we'll see it for the combine, showing he's a more well-rounded player. He's the guy I'm very, very curious about in this class. Who who are you looking at? So somebody that I, and I'm glad that you gave him a shout out. I wanted to give this guy a shout out to James Cook, the running back from Georgia, Dalvin Cook's little brother. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I like James Cook a lot. Yeah. Like he's he's decent. He's in my top ten of running backs, man. And just I feel like underutilized at, at Georgia for a lot of reasons, right? They use him as a third down back a lot. So one baseline, I think he's got great receiving skills, right? They don't just That's use him out of the backfield either. They use him on the line of scrimmage as a slot guy. One of his touchdowns that I watched was of him as an outside receiver, just absolutely cooking an outside corner that kind of came out there with him. So man, I think that he. I, I think that he brings a really nice athletic profile again to a running back class that is looking for athletes, it's what a lot of people are going to be looking for. 
He's 5'11", 190, okay? So he carries about 20 pounds less of muscle than his brother Dalvin Cook does. And you can see in his game where the lack of that 20 pounds shows up, right? Shows up in speed, shows up in strength, shows up in his ability to break tackles. And so being a much lighter back certainly shows up in that regard. But his running style, very similar. He runs very hard. And, man, he's smooth. His acceleration's fantastic. I like it, man. I I, I think that he has... He is one of the few backs I was able to watch in this class where I did not question whether or not he was athlete enough for the NFL. That, and, and that's something that really stood out to me. And that's just something that has him a little bit higher. So I think that he's going to be a third down back in the NFL. I don't think this guy's an early down back. I don't yep. think he's going to be a workhorse, but for a specialization guy, especially as a receiving back, I think that he is very nuanced right now, understands that part of the position really well. And I think he's an athlete enough to make a difference in the NFL. So that is my, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my that's my love for uh, for James Cook there. Anybody? Uh, I, I, do you have any James Cook thoughts or anybody else that you wanted to give a shout out to? I, I do. If if you were doing these rankings based on like you know top five receiving backs, James Cook is in there every time. He he's shown it as a pass catcher in a league that so many of these coordinators and and you know head coaches like to motion their backs out as slot guys, even out wide get them involved in pitch passes, just use them in a variety of ways. Uh, Cook is equipped, has a skill set that is equipped to handle all of that. So I think he's one of the more unique players in this running back class. Like we, when we went through it today, you can see a little bit of this, not the same, but you could see similarities in how Walker and Spiller and Brees Hall are, are built up, right? And, and even Pierce to a degree. And then you, you, you know, I talked about it with Algier and, and Abram Smith, like, with Cook, that, that's a little bit more of a unique skill set that some teams come into the draft and go, man, we got our we got our 1A and 1B ponies. Like, we know we can run these guys down to the wire. They can hurt people. But we're missing that number three that brings a little something different to this offense. And, and that's going to help James Cook a lot. My last guy that I wanted to give a shout-out to was Pierre Strong Jr., the running back from South Dakota State. Man, if you pop on Pierre Strong Jr.'s tape, I mean, you're going to have a blast. Like, just get your popcorn out and just get ready for it, man. It's fun. With him going up against that level of competition, he's just a better athlete than a lot of the guys that he's going up against. And that that running back, or uh, I'm sorry, that run-blocking unit for the Jackrabbits as well was pretty damn good. So they gave him some good rushing lanes. He was able to put his foot in the ground, and he was really either able to get up to the sideline or up the middle and create some huge runs. He's got a lot of fun on his tape. He's got a little wiggle as well. He's not shy about contact. I really liked getting to know him a little bit better at the Shrine Bowl. Got to sit down with him uh, for a few minutes there and talk to him. Also, I thought that he was pretty great in practice as well. Stood out as one of the best running backs there. And so I like Pierre Strong. I really do. And this is another player who I'm very interested to see what he tests at in Indianapolis. Because right now, a lot of people are going to watch his tape and be like, He's one of the fastest dudes in this class. Like, look at look at him. He's leaving dudes in the dust. And I go, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. He's playing Montana State. Okay. Like all, all respect to Montana State, right? Like they just did, they did not play against high-level competition. So that's why I, I'd love to see what Pierre Strong tests at at the combine because that's going to mean a lot to his profile because he thinks it's a smaller back. He's going to be more of a speed back. He's going to have to be. So is he as much of a difference maker speed-wise as we saw on tape? Can he hang with the in the NFL? Does he have that NFL athleticism? I think he does, but I'd like to confirm it there. Other than that, man, a lot of fun tape. He had three 1,000-yard seasons. Could have been four if it wasn't for that uh, COVID-abbreviated season. So he could have had four straight 1,000-yard years. So this dude, ton of production, knows what he's doing in the position. I'd love to see what he's test like. 
I could tell the excitement in your voice when I asked you how Shrine was going, and Strong was basically the first guy you brought up. He's good, and man. Then, yeah, and then you you do what I got you know to dive into this tape a little bit, and man, they you're right, they that team beat up on some fronts. Like they he had some space to to you know giddy up, and he takes advantage of it. There's no denying there. You could see why the production was there uh, for those three thousand yard seasons. So the last note I'll leave everyone with because we always like to do a number to know to round out these position groups. A number that you know stands out to you and means something to you. And for me. Uh, this one is a little chalky because it's to do with my number one back, Brees Hall. I'm not giving you the Jared Stearns never drops a pass kind of nugget, <laughs> but with, with Brees Hall, something that is notable to me, Trevor, is that he had the last three years, right? 10 yard plus runs, right? Okay. Explosive run plays, 28, 38, 36. And when you wow. look at a lot of prospects, it's, you know, 5, 20, and then maybe even like 40, or sometimes it's like 10 and 20. With Brees, it's just the fact that every single year, it didn't matter what their offensive line looked like. It didn't matter whatever issues Brock Purdy had going on on the field at the time. Brees Hall found a way almost every single game, sometimes multiple times a game, to create an explosive run for three years. And if you can do that for three years in a Power 5 conference, in a situation that is not... You're not playing with all NFLers on the offensive line. You're not playing always, you know, with a top-tier quarterback prospect. You're going to be able to do that at the next level. And that was a big piece of the puzzle of how Brees Hall ends up. My number one running back on today's show. I love it. There we go. All right, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I didn't have one that was going to bring to the table, but if it's a Brees Hall stat that we're ending on, that's then a good place to it. end it for me. There we go. Those are our top five running backs for the 2022 class. Obviously, as Connor said, there's a lot that could change between now and the NFL draft, but just giving you guys a little recap for myself. I had Kyron Williams at number five, Tyler Algier at number four, Isaiah Spiller at three, Brees Hall two, and then Kenneth Walker at one. Connor had Damian Pierce at five, Kenneth Walker four, Isaiah Spiller at three, Kyron Williams at two, and then Brees Hall at number one. Let us know who your favorite back is in this class. Let us know what your top five is. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter, at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter, or if you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to reply in the comment section. Let us know what you guys think of this running back class. Appreciate you guys listening. We will be back on Monday morning with another episode of the NFL Stock Exchange. We'll see you guys then.